Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm Dave Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. It's our scripture study podcast. We move through the scriptures. I got to come up with a new line (laughs) next week. I'm going to have a new one, but that's really what we do. Um, We're in the New Testament this year and uh, super excited. Well, we have two things that we think will help your life first. Two celebrations coming. One is better than the other. Um, Wait, I can't wait. Which one do you think is better than the other? Easter. Easter. (laughs) Okay. Duh. Um, But first, we talked about this last week, and if you didn't hear, our masterclass is now available. Uh, A masterclass is kind of like just a a book that we would have written, but it's in video format. So it's like six hour-long videos. We're moving through stories in the scriptures uh, to learn what it looks like to live a God-led life. And so... That's what the masterclass is. You can find that on our website. We're super excited about comes it. Comes with a workbook in case you're wondering what he's oh, yeah. holding up I'm right holding there. holding up this workbook. Uh, yeah, the class comes with a whole workbook and then it has the lessons that kind of lead you through the workbook. Yeah. And they can find it at don'tmissthisstudy.com. Yeah, and go under courses and you can find that. It's just a how help me live a little bit more deliberately, particularly in my relationship with God, living a God-led life. So that is available. And okay. The second thing, we're so excited about so much radder because we are Easter fanatics. We so love true. Easter. It's our most best holiday of the whole wide year. Yeah. And we want to convince you it's your most best holiday <laughs> of the whole wide year. So we want to tell you what we are going to be doing this year in case you want to do it with us. And this year we are going to be diving into Holy Week. We're going to put out a five minute video every day on our Instagram that you'll be able to watch on Instagram if you want, or um, we'll have the whole episode like we always do on YouTube. It will have chapter breaks, so you can either watch it all at once or just in little segments. We'll try and keep it short since it's a holiday week, but it's gonna have every day one little thing to study and then an application activity of some sort that you're gonna be able to do with your kids. If you want to start prepping right now, We're way excited um, about following this on the church uh, app. The Gospel Library app is where you're going to find all the reading this year. um, And we will send you to it in the newsletter so you'll easily be able to find it. We love that it's on the Gospel Library app because you're going to be able to access it. But also your kids who don't live at home with you can be doing the same plan as you on the same days as you as you go through the week. So some things you might want to be gathering are, um, you if you want to use the Emmanuel wreath, it's going to work perfect for this. So be pulling that out of your holiday decorations. Um, on Tuesday, we're going to give a $5 bill to all of our kids to do something fun with. So you might be gathering your $5 bi- bills. You will want a little red piece of thread for people um, to have. You're going to want Easter lilies for Saturday. And then for Sunday, you're going to want the skin of yellow onions, as much skin as you can find. And we'll kind of walk you through then every day what you're going to do. We'll put this list in the newsletter. newsletter. So you've got it. Yep. So you've got it there. And then the church will be doing a reading that you'll do here and they've got a question to ponder and a song to listen to. So it's going to be a really fun Easter week, we think. And we'll be doing that every day leading up to Easter. Yeah. Sometimes it's really easy for Easter to just sneak up on you and you don't know that it's there. And so um, I really like elevating that entire week. And the whole plan follows what the Savior was doing on each of those days of the final week of his life. And so... Um, that is what we're going to be doing. We're really excited about yeah, it. So excited. All right. About today's it. Matthew 14, Mark 6, and John 5 through 6. We called this moved by faith because there is just, you just see people in their interactions, their faithful interactions with Jesus in these stories that we're looking at today. And almost like you can learn from them. And then you can also learn of what can I expect 
from Jesus when I move closer to him or reach out to him or look to him in faith. And we love and maybe a great place to start with your family or your class that you're teaching this week is to actually go to the Bible dictionary under faith. And we learn a couple really important things that we're going to watch play out in each of these stories. I'm just going to give you a couple of my favorite lines from the Bible dictionary, but it tells us to have faith is to have confidence in someone. And I love that. We talked about that a little earlier, trusting in someone or having confidence in someone. That's faith. Faith is a principle of action and power, and it always moves its possessor to some kind of physical and mental action, which I just, I love thinking, okay, faith is going to actually cause me to respond somehow. It's going to cause me to do something. And we're going to watch in every single story how faith is causing someone to respond in that situation. Um, I also love this quote, where there is true faith, there are miracles, visions, dreams, healings, and all the gifts of God that he gives to his saints. Mm. So I just love kind of a deeper understanding of that word faith. And as we start talking about that, you can be moved by faith, like it's going to cause you to respond or to act. We are, believe it or not, working on um, Book of Mormon things (laughs) for next year. That's how far in advance we have to be. So we're just kind of looking at that. And one of the things we were looking at this morning was a definition of faith that you find from Moroni in the Book of Ether. And he says that it is hope for things which are not seen, which are true. And it's interesting to think about this. You know how there's sort of, you could get a uh, what's that thing called where like, I received the priesthood from my dad and my dad received the priesthood from, what's that thing called? Line of authority. Yes. I I kind of feel like there's a faith line mm. also where it's like, where did you learn to even trust in Jesus? Like, where did that, how did it spark initially? Like, where did it come from? And it feels like faith is something that is almost passed on. Like you, where did that hope in things that are not seen you know, come from. Which reminds me of Timothy, because do you remember when Paul says, neglect not the gift that is in you? And you're like, well, what was his gift? And it tells you his gift was the unfeigned faith that he witnessed first in his mother and also in his grandmother. Remember when he says that? that? I love that idea of who, who sparked your faith. And it could be something that you just was sparked when you were younger and you've still held on to. But like this weekend, I was with a group of young single adults and we were sitting next to the pool and we were just having a conversation. And there actually was one boy there who like sparked my faith. He Mm. he, like asked a couple questions that I was like, I actually want to go home and think about that now deeper. And in a further text that came from that conversation, he had texted me and said, um, we had been reading this quote and he was like, why do you think sacrifice is often paired with worship? Um, Why does that make worship more intentional? And I love that someone can actually spark your faith. Mm -hmm. Like even daily, if you're, if you're watching for those kinds of conversations and surrounding yourself with people who are deep thinkers about important concepts. And also I, So we've said this before, but I believe that that word eternal life is something that people can experience right now. Yeah. That it will come in added glory and measure in a future day, no doubt. But it's something that people can actually live and experience right now. Jesus says, I came to give you life that you might live it more abundantly. And I feel like there are some times when you can see that in someone else. Mm. I remember saying to someone kind of along the lines that you're saying with Timothy that I, um, just this week where I was like, I believe with my whole soul that Jesus can change people. Um, I felt that in me, but before I felt it in me, I witnessed it in my mom. Mm. Like I watched it happen. And I was like, oh, I actually know that Jesus can change people. Yeah. He can heal people. Like That's I so good. and I, I saw it. 
And I, and I feel like you can see in people, like you live eternal life. You have a life in you and, and it sparks you to say, I want a life of miracles like that. I want the familiarity that you have with the divine. I want that thing, that fire that's burning in your bones and, and you, you see that. And yeah. we don't know if this is true or not, but it's, the stories are so similar that we want to tie them together. At the end of this chapter, Mark 6, 56, you get this verse where Jesus is going and it says, and what, wherever he entered into villages or cities or the countryside, it said they actually laid their sick in the streets and they besought the people that they might touch if it were just the border of his garment. And as many as did were made whole. And you read that story and hopefully your mind goes back to that woman on the roadside who reached out in faith and touched the hem of his, his garment. And it's kind of cool to just consider for a second. It, live in our fake world that might be true, okay? <laughs> for just a minute to say, where did they get that idea? You know, to sit on the side of a road and reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And it makes us think, what have they heard of that woman's story? And she's the one who is the catalyst of faith for them. That She sparked faith in them that thought, wow, I didn't know that just a brush up against Jesus could have such an effect. And then they then went and, and did that. And you have this domino effect of, of faith being passed down. P.S. Yeah, from one woman's story right. while you're getting that, just that thought of that faith being passed down from one woman's story um, to, to all those people that were like, if you just lay in the street and reach for his robe and it, it makes me want to be like, okay, who has been my catalyst of faith yeah. over my life? And don't you want to just send a text and be like, Hey, thanks for like stirring up that gift in me again. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, just because we forgot to show this, now that woman just reminded us. Remember this little print that's got all the names of Jesus that are on it? If you didn't notice on that one, number nine, we did healer. We put it right there on the hem of his cl uh, cloak. What do you, His robe. <laughs> all of a sudden he was a wizard. Um, on his robe and... We just wanted you to see how clever we yeah, were. Just I kidding, that, but no, I there's just think just, it's, it's so it's fun cool. yeah. to remember that even just that hem, that piece that is just right on the ground also contained like, now I want to say magic, but you know, it, it even that contained miracles and all it required was A faith, reach. that yeah. spark of like, Faith. And it's just, maybe this could be true. It's just for me. really neat that someone saw her story and thought, "Oh, I wonder if that can be true for my story also." And before we jump onto this next one, I want you to just look at this verse in John five, also, which is in our reading this week, and it says in thirty nine, "Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me." And I just one of the values and beauties of scripture is that these are real people. Mm -hmm. That woman on the roadside, like you can actually go have lunch with her in heaven someday. She will be a real person and she can tell you her story one-on-one -on -one if you want, but you'll know it already because it was written here. And one of the beauties of the scriptures is like you can, your faith can actually be sparked by these people's stories too. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, we're going to go to one of our most favorite and also most familiar stories now in Matthew 14. And it'll be, so much of it is familiar to us, but we want to notice something about this story this time that maybe hasn't caught your eye before. And this is going to be the story of Peter um, getting out of the boat. And we're going to have you turn to your workbook page as we go through this, if you have a, a journal with you. Um, if you don't have a journal, you know you can print those off from the newsletter and also on the app. They're all on the app, so you can print straight from the app to your printer at home if you want to. Also, for those of you who are teachers, you can actually print these out and give them to everyone in your class. So if this feels like a good lesson for involving um, the kids with those posters, we in seminary, we're a little bit ahead here, but in seminary, we did the Sabbath one today, the maze. Mm. My kids loved filling out that maze. There, there's something about writing yeah, yeah, and yeah. processing that makes application just like come alive. So you might want to pull this out as we're going. We're going to tell this story, but we're going to pause every so often to talk about 
how this looked like for Peter, but also how this looks like for us individually. Um, when I was out to dinner with that group of kids this past weekend, we were talking about movies and I have a hard, fast rule about not seeing sad movies. Like, you know, it is like, you can't even talk me into it. Right. And one of the boys was trying to talk me into it while we were there. Cause he's like, it's good for you to like, See sad things. I was like, it's actually not good for me. It might be good for you. But, and he's like, why? What is it about you that you can't? And I was like, I get so attached to the characters, like so attached that generally in a movie, do you do this? I will assign myself to one of the people and then I will experience the whole movie from their point of view. So it's like extra sad for me if someone <laughs> dies because I feel like I'm like living in that while I'm in there. My imagination wants to do that. And it likes to do it in the scriptures too. And so this story is one of them where like I want to climb into Peter's thought process and live this out with him. I want to feel what he felt. I want to like ask myself if I would have been brave enough to do it. I want to think what would have made me doubt. I just love walking through mm, mm. that process in his shoes. And we're kind of going to let you do that today because we're going to talk about what did Peter do here, but then we're going to also ask you the question, where do you see yourself living out this story? And I would like to remind you that you had the chance last spring to do what? To live out Peter's story. Oh. But you prayed for calm seas <laughs> and you didn't get, you guys, listen, we were there on the Sea of Galilee on a boat and I prayed every day of the trip that a storm would rise up out of nowhere so we could actually feel what it was like. I, meanwhile, to, to everyone prayed as hard as I could double to counteract this situation <laughs> that we wouldn't. And the day before we got on the boat, are you about to tell this story? Yes. It was like the greatest windstorm hit that lake in the last 50 years. Like boats were torn apart when we were walking down to the thing. And I might've said this on the way down. You're welcome. Because <laughs> did you want to kill 85 people? My gosh, no one died in the storm, by the way, and we all missed out on the chance to really live this experience, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Okay. No, and I would just like to say that my prayers brought a storm, just not for us. <laughs> Thank heavens. Um, so, Peter is where we're going, Matthew 14. Um, we're going to talk about the story that happens before this, after this. Um, but what happens is they're going to get on this boat, and... They send the multitudes away and he's going to go up into a mountain to pray. And when the evening came, he was there by himself and the apostles all went and got in a ship and they were going to go before him to the other side. And so they had kind of started on their way in the meantime, in the fourth watch of the night, um, the fourth watch would be the darkest time of the night, um, is, is the fourth watch moments. And I don't know why, but why is the fourth watch always the time when like you're the most like nervous about things or scared or it just, it seems like the longest part of the night is this fourth watch. And that's when the storm came. It tells us in verse 24, the sea was tossed with waves for the wind was contrary. And that word contrary means against the wind was against them. Mm. So they weren't going forward. And then they see this person walking on the sea or which, this thing walking on the sea. Which, by the way, is such an interesting word that the, the wind was contrary or against them. Because I feel like there's people watching this who are just like, that's actually how I feel about my life right now. That like it's against me. Yes. Like that someone's against me in, in the way that things are going. Like I'm moving yeah. backwards right now. It's such a... You actually don't have to go onto the lake, I guess, to experience this kind of feeling because like the storms, I, we even yeah. use phrases today. It's like, I'm drowning. Yes. Like, to like. Yeah, everything is against right, me right to now. To explain like, oh, yeah. the way things could feel emotionally. Um, and they cry out with fear. And I just want to stop right here for a minute and think, what do you think Peter feared in that moment? Like, what was the scary things they were facing? And we talk about this a lot, 
But of the apostles, and I can't remember now, is it six or is it nine that were fishermen by trade? Do you remember off the top of your head? Uh, I should have looked that up. (laughs) Between six and nine of the apostles, one day we counted this, and now I wish we would have counted it this morning. But a large number of the apostles are fishermen by trade, which means they're not like... Wimpy. Well, and they're used to storms at sea. Right. Like they've been in them before. Yeah. So the fact that um, they're nervous makes you feel like this isn't like a really big storm that is happening right now. They're exhausted, right? And then they see this thing, they don't know what it is. And there is that fear of like, what? We're not going to make it out of this? Um, we, we can barely handle the situation we're in. And now here comes something else, yeah. you know, upon us. Like, it just is that moment of like, I don't know how to control this. I don't know how to overcome this. I don't know how we're going to get past this. I've had all those things. And I can remember at a time when it, it was a very stormy time of life for us, a really brilliant woman said to me, as I was trying to process through that moment, what is your greatest fear right now? Mm, mm. And there was so something so healthy for me about speaking truth to that thing. What is, what is your greatest fear? And then um, she answered right after, she asked right after that, what is your greatest hope? And it was really interesting for my mind to balance both of those things. But I love this idea of just stopping right here in verse 26 and thinking, what did Peter fear in that moment? And then now thinking to your own self, okay, what does life look like for me right now? And what is my greatest fear? What is that thing that is keeping me up in the fourth watch of the night? What is that thing? And maybe just putting a name to it. Yeah, and and I really feel like that helps you realize like that you're fearing something that hasn't even happened, right? That you're like, you've put yourself into a place where you're just like, I've actually created this anxiety in me about something that, you know, that I've like, projected into the future. Right, which is the opposite of faith. Right, or trust. Yeah, and so I think it's important to think, sometimes we do that, we have that thing that we are fearing and it's because we don't know what's gonna happen, we don't know how it's gonna turn out, we don't know what the resolution will be, but he does. And, And that's why I love this thought of like, I can fear what is ahead of me, but I trust he can get me through it. And so if I can just shift from whatever that thing is I wrote on the paper to him, it's going to help me. And he says in verse 27, straightway, Jesus spake unto them saying, be of good cheer. It is I be not afraid. Like you don't need to worry about this right now. And then I love when Peter, the thing that we love the most about Peter is you just never know what he's going to do next. And we both a little bit imagine Peter being like, Oh, okay. If, let's see. If he's here, we're going to actually be okay. So now I I want to figure out, like, how are you doing that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You just can see his wheels spinning a little bit. And he says to him, if it be thou, bid me come out to you on the water. Which, like, remember the waves. Like, it's not a small storm. They're, like, trying to manage the ship. Jesus is out on the water. Peter is like, if it is really you, tell me to come. And Jesus is like, okay, come, you know? (laughs) And I love the thought of like in that whole scenario, him saying, um, come. And and I love that it is going to be this stretching moment for Peter, that he's going to make him do something out of his comfort zone. And like, we talk about this all the time and we're like, where is a fisherman supposed to be? And the answer is going to be in the boat. Yeah. That's just true about fishermen. Like he has no qualification to get out of that boat, you know, but in his mind, he's like, should I try that? I just wonder. Which which is actually super rad because the story could have gone like this. And be not afraid, be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And Jesus got to the boat, climbed in. And they sailed the rest of the way. Yeah. You know, but it's just neat that Peter's like, wait, I want to try. Like, I want to do this. Like, I want to, like, be a part of something like this. Like, the only reason this story happens is because Peter wanted to try something that he was willing 
and to I, step out. Yeah, to have that stretching moment. And sometimes in the great storms of life, we are going to be stretched. I love um, when our family got called on a mission that year in the Ensign, there was this poem and my mom printed it out for us and put it in the front of these journals that became, each of us got our own mission journal. And it said, change is never easy, but then neither is reaching for a star. But too much change at once can make the stretch marks on my heart gaping holes through which the world can see my hurt and even the tears sometimes. And then it said, I wonder when I am done with all this change, if I will be taller from all the stretching. Hmm. Don't you love the thought of that? Except for the holes that got ripped in me. I'm so scared of those. But I know. Else I like. <laughs> uh, but I love that thought of sometimes we're going to have stretching moments. And so we or, have- or just this, that like, really, you guys could have cowered in your room when you got called, you know, on yeah. that mission. Yeah. Or you could have said like, okay let's jump into this. Yeah. Like I want to try, let me try and be a part of something and grow. And sometimes there's going to be growing pains, Right. but I'm going to be taller when I'm done with this. And so we want you to take a minute and just think like if you were Peter, how did he stretch? What did that stretching moment actually look like for him? And, um, how was he taller afterward? But then like, what is, what is your stretching moment right now? What is God calling you to that? Like, feels bigger than you, or you might be like this too. I already have my hands full with the boat and the like getting the water out and trying to keep ourselves right against the waves. And don't ask me to do something else right now because I'm actually like super busy with this. When he's like, do you want to come out on the water? Come. How many of us would be like, no, I can't because I'm actually like, this is keeping me busy enough. And just that thought of like, Come. Yeah. You know, go try it. And so you people sitting on the edge of the boat right now, yeah. you know, who are like, like I just out. love the story says, jump out. Yeah. And, um, I, we love to imagine the story like this. One day, David and I will make our own, uh, movie, movie of this <laughs> account because there is something about me that is like Jesus being like, come on, Peter. And Peter, you know, he's gutsy and he just does whatever he wants to do. But I a little bit love the rest of the apostles in the back of the boat that are just like, go, yeah, (laughs) get out. You won't. Yeah, I want that in the background. I want the boys on the sideline. I want that just like, you know how it is where he's like, do I, do I? And they're like, go, you know? And um, then my favorite verse in all of Matthew 14 says, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Why do we never like celebrate that verse as much as we should? Yeah. Don't you feel like you should have an exclamation mark at the end? Like Peter walked on water for real. Yeah. Then we're going to focus on the sinking in a second. It's like, wait, what about, just end the story there. What about the success? And we (laughs) actually want you to stop for a minute and just, Think about that. What was Peter's success? Like revel in it, celebrate it, look at it. That's like Peter walked on water, everyone. And um, I want you to also think about like, what, what are mine? What is my success? The story might not be over yet, but where have I succeeded so far? What, What are the great things that I am doing right now? I think it's super interesting and I had never noticed until we wrote this out one time, if you were to ask where the doubt was going to come in order of these one, two, three, four, five, six things, I would not have placed the doubt right next to the success, right following Mm -hmm. the success. Don't you feel like if you were having your greatest success, you would like check mark, I'm great. I'm doing fine. This, I just had a faith building moment and now my faith is going to be good for three weeks. Yeah. And it's like two minutes. (laughs) Or less. (laughs) How long he lasts because that's verse 29. Verse 30 is this. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. And I just, I love that understanding that realization that after your greatest 
success of faith could also come your greatest moment of doubt. And that's okay. Yeah. Like that's normal. That just happened right here within two verses. Peter had his most successful faith day ever and then was going to drown in one second. And we watch each other on our faith journeys. And I don't know about anyone else, but my faith journey has not been a consistent upward slope. And sometimes I think we like put that pressure on ourselves. Yeah. Like you have to continue that upward slope and some days we drown. Well, and sometimes we see somebody else, we meet them in their verse 30 day, Yeah. you know, and we make an assumption that we probably ought not to have made where it's just like, wait, you saw me on verse 30 day, but I have had verse 29 days and I'm going to have verse 31 days also that we should, I think, realize that all of us are on a journey that's like that. And success doesn't mean the end. That doubt still can come. That's okay. It's still part of our growing and right. and for other people as well. I yeah. like thinking about that about, about so other people. Good. And stretching moments have gaping holes, and that's okay. Yeah. Even though you don't I, want any. <laughs> um, so I think it is important to to sit right for a second and just think about what was Peter's doubt in that moment, and and why did he doubt? What had caught his focus that wasn't Jesus? And then to ask our own selves that. What has caught my focus that isn't Jesus? And the the beautiful thing about this story, I think, is Peter lost his focus. He he started focusing on the waves and the wind, boisterous, right? That's I you could just hear it whipping um, through that place. And you, you could get caught in that noise. So easy. Yeah, you and you could get caught in it for a long time, but I love that Peter as soon as he recognized it, and as soon as he saw, I'm actually losing ground here, his immediate thought was, Lord, save me. And I love the um, second word in verse 31, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. Like, I just love when you're like, okay, I actually want to turn my life around. I want to come back. I want that faith. I I want relationship. I love that Jesus is not like, well, this is your consequence. Yeah. You know, I love that he's like, oh, I'm just, I'm within reaching distance. I love that Peter was, or Jesus was not on the shore yelling to Peter, here's how you walk on water, you know? Yeah, or yeah. he wasn't like, he wasn't like, Peter, hold on, let me get in the boat. And then he didn't stand behind him and be like, okay, what you're going to do is, But I love that Jesus was like, you're going in the water, I'll go in the water. Wherever you're going to be, that's where I'm going to be. We're going to go through this together. And that place that you've somehow gotten yourself in right now, that storm, and whatever those distractions look like, you can be assured Jesus is standing right next to you in this. That's one of the things this story teaches us is, He's within reaching distance even now. Yeah, and he's about to have a conversation with him about that doubt, which kind of I really like because it Mm. dispels this idea of like, I should be super embarrassed about my doubt or I should be super embarrassed about my fear or I should be super embarrassed about my failure when in reality the story teaches us like some people will drown because they're so embarrassed before the Lord of their fear and their doubt and their failure. And Jesus is like, no, this is part of the experience to have all of those things. So he will immediately reach, but let's learn the counsel from the story that says immediately call out for help. Like don't paddle longer than you have to just ask for the help because it's, it's there. And, and in this story, his doubt qualified him for the help. Yes. When in other words, we usually are saying like, no, faith qualifies you for help. Sacrifice qualifies you for help. Obedience qualifies you for help. And those could be true and are true. But in this story, doubt qualified him for help. That's so good. Um, and I love this. He stretched forth his hand and caught him. Don't you love that, that thought of just, and caught him mm-hmm. um, and, and pulled him out of there. And he said to him, oh, thou of little faith, Wherefore didst thou doubt? And we've talked about this earlier with the other storm on the sea. Sometimes we will put a condescending tone in that um, verse or or that like 
it almost as if it's, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's not kind. And the Jesus I believe in is more kind. And when I imagine, again, this weekend, when I was with that group of kids and those boys rode each other all the time and they were bantering back and forth and there was so much laughter and just like that good camaraderie that comes when you get good friends together. Mm -hmm. And I imagine Jesus in that voice. You've got the, all the apostles cheering from the boat. You've got everyone watching what's happening and invested in this thing. And I just imagine Jesus grabbing his hand and lifting him up and just this little bit of laughter that he's just like, oh, Peter, (laughs) (laughs) where was your faith? Why did you doubt? I was right here the whole time. I got you. You know, I I have your back. You were going to be fine, you know, and I just I love that little bit of just that. I don't know what you would call it, but in my mind, I just can imagine him super proud, first of all, that Peter even got out of the boat. But also just that little bit of like, it's just so Peter to be learning along the way, you know? And a pep talk kind of voice, you know, where it's like, hey, okay, let's figure this out. What what did you mess up? What are you, what are we, what you, you know, why did you doubt? So let's figure this out for next time. Yes. You know? Yeah. I just, I love the thought of that. And I love in... um, 31, it kind of hints toward grace, that enabling strength beyond your own, that you taking the step out of the boat and then quickly realizing I'm actually not capable of what I just set out to do. Your weakness becomes so apparent in moments like that. Mm-hmm. And, and you could tend to focus only on that weakness, but I love that thought of grace that enabling strength beyond your own, that transformative power that will help you to become what you would never become if Jesus wasn't in your story right then. And I see that so clearly in verse 31. And maybe you'll just take a minute um, to think about how did Peter experience saving grace in that moment when he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately he receives that strength And where have you experienced saving grace lately in your story? And that increase of capacity or that transformation of a heart or just enabling you to be more or better than what you would have been on your own in that situation. I love. Um, And at the very end, I love that um, they come back to the boat In 32, I think it's interesting the order of things. When they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And I think it's so interesting that Jesus could have, like right when Peter started sinking, have been like, stop, stop, we're about to lose Peter. Everybody stop the wind, right? And then and be like, okay, get a hold of yourself. But I love that that isn't what happened, where the storm still raged. And Jesus lifted him out of that raging around him and they walked back to the boat like they still did that hard thing and Mm. I love that Peter it feels like got a second chance right that he was like okay let's try this again that's what it feels like to me is he's like why did you doubt okay get up let's try this again don't you want to imagine that's how they got back to the boat and let's try it under the same conditions in the same circumstance, with the wind still blowing and the sea still raging. And look, watch how I do it. Yeah. This is how you get through storms in a miraculous way. And when they finally were back to the boat, then the wind ceased. And then there is this moment when it says... And before you say that, it's interesting to think, too, that this story teaches that miracles happen and I can experience them in the midst of a storm. Yes. We're waiting sometimes for the storm to end, you know, and that's the evidence of Jesus, that the storm has ended. But in this story, Peter experiences a miracle. Peter changes, Peter learns, Peter grows in the middle of the storm. He learns Jesus in the middle of the storm. Yeah, which I love. And then he says, once they get back to the boat, of a truth, thou art the son of God. And I love thinking, what, why? Why does Peter think that right now? When you were to look back over the whole scenario, which is the moment 
that taught Peter, okay, this really is the son of God. Which of the six things was that testimony builder for him? Or maybe it was all of them. And I love the thought of this as you do this worksheet. And maybe you'll do it with your own personal study and time to really reflect on where you are in your life right now. Or maybe you'll do it with the class that you teach or with your family. But there are two questions on the bottom that I love. Um, and the first one is, what do you find significant about this order? And let's just think about that order again. Um, it starts with fear. And then there's that stretching moment. And then there is that great success, which leads to doubt. And then grace. And then testimony. Mm. Isn't that an interesting order of that you would go through. And the second question it says is, what does it teach you about progressing? And I love that progression in this story is not like we talk about that, just a straight up slope. Like if you were to draw Peter's progression on this story, what would that line look like? And I love that it's like just a little bit messy because that's how Peter was and that's how I am. So that makes me feel really happy that that's like, Miracles can happen in the middle of really messy situations. Yeah. And, um, but I also love that reminder of like, we're going to have moments of great success paired with moments of increased testimony. And we wish that's what all we had of the six. We're like, uh, I'll take number three and number six. Hmm. I want moments of success and Strength and testimony. That's what I want in my story. And we forget our story is going to include fear and stretching and doubt and saving grace. That's what makes a good story. That's what we love about this story is it has everything. Well, and that's, and that's the kind of testimony that I actually want. Yes. Like I want a testimony that includes every one of these. Like I want to look back on a year of life. And I want to account for all of this. Like, what did I expect out of it? What did I learn about Jesus in my moments of fear and stretching and success and doubt and saving grace? Like, I, that's that's the kind of testimony that I actually want. Yeah. That includes all those. Yeah. It's just, this is such a good story. And there's so much to process with it. And then we're going to go into two more really great this, stories. This is the story of darkness. <laughs> No. Okay, this, the house of grace. this one, this one, this one, this one. I, of all the stories in the whole Bible, I, this one is fighting for first place gold medal. I've loved it since I was just a, a little kid. Um, it's in John chapter five. For some reason, I saw this picture of Karl Block um, of this story at an early age in life and was so drawn to it. I seriously don't know. Why? One reason might be the watermelon <laughs> that this man has. And I can't decide if that's a please, watermelon. Please, please, if you are watching, I mean, listening on a podcast, look up Carl Block's Pool of Bethesda and tell me if the man under the blanket does not have a watermelon next to him with a knife ready to cut the whole thing. <laughs> I don't know. And this guy over here is eyeing the watermelon. That's exactly oh, what's happening. Just, so, but who knows Carl? Someone <laughs> must know the story that goes with this. So... But it just, I'm so drawn to the story and then you read it and there's something just so sweet about it. These pools of Bethesda um, are pools that are inside the city of Jerusalem. They're right near the, where the temple is. They were used for um, cleansing, like uh, that spiritual ritual cleansing before you went to the temple. Um, but they also had this tradition about them. You find out in chapter five, there was this long standing kind of myth that was that when the waters were troubled or rippled, it was an angel who had touched the waters. And the first person into the pool would be healed. That was kind of the belief about it, which makes me wonder every time I read this story, did it ever actually happen? I know. Like, because but why they, were all people, those people waiting? Because you know? I did study this. Because I am also love this place more than any place we visit in when we go on our Jerusalem trips. Um, they think it was a mineral pool. And when the minerals bubbled up, it was the highest contents of mineral in the pool. And that's what healed and people. And so some, some diseases that could be healed by mineral water, it's just like the Dead Sea too. You know how there's just yeah, healing yeah. propensity in the water? There was healing propensity in this water for some 
diseases. diseases. Ah. Because it makes me wonder, like, this man's there for 38 years. So I'm like, did you watch people get healed? Like, why are yeah. you still waiting? Yeah. Um, but I also think the angel touches the water, too. Um, okay. I just want to think that. <laughs> um, so there are all these sick people, because there's that idea about these pools, would gather around this pool and wait to be the first person in there. And um, hold on, let me... <laughs> Y'all just make sure we didn't get cut off there. Um, uh, all these sick people would gather around, which is one of the verses I really love from this because it says in verse three, in these porches lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, of halt, of withered, waiting for the moving of the water, waiting for their angel, waiting for their miracle. And I just have to say this in this part right there because it's so interesting they were waiting for the moving of water. And isn't it so interesting? We both were so drawn to call this lesson the moving of faith. faith. Yeah. And how interesting it is, again, just like Peter, that their focus was on the water. Yeah. Peter's was too, instead of on where their faith should have been. In him. When I read verse 3, we went to Israel, we went to Bethesda right after we went to church one uh, one of those trips. And we got there and we read verse three and I thought, oh my gosh, that is a sacrament meeting room. It is a great multitude of hurting folk, of blind, of halt, of withered, all waiting for the moving of the water, all waiting for their miracle, for their, for their angel to come. And uh, Jesus comes to that man in verse five, who'd been there for 38 years. And Every time I read that, I think, I think there's strategy in Jesus's miracles. Like, mm-hmm. why wait 38 years? It makes me think that every time. And Jesus saw him, and he knew he'd been there for a long time. And he said, will you be made whole? And he says, I don't have a man to take me to the pool, but when I come, and someone else steps down in there before me. And this story is for those people out there who feel like, I can't ever be first and I can't ever be best, and I can't ever be the quickest, and I can't ever I can't ever be number one. I'm always falling behind everybody else. I can't be the first one uh, there. Because um, sometimes we feel like that's what's needed, and we feel like that's, you know, what we have mm-hmm. to be. And it's awesome in this story that the man does not go to the water, but the water, capital W, comes to him. And he says to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately that man was made whole and he took up his bed and he walked. And if you must know, I feel like he went home. I love that Jesus says, take up your bed with you. <laughs> like take it home with you. Because I think this man framed it and <laughs> put it on his wall so we could always remember this moment. But he's just like, this is not your place anymore. It's that you have a new mm-hmm. life now because of our interaction with each other. And I love, um, as you get into verse 10 too, when then everyone who is there is like, isn't this the Sabbath day? And is it lawful for us to do stuff like this on the Sabbath day? For you to carry your bed. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, like, or to <laughs> heal people. And I love that they're like, this is not the way we do things. Yeah. Like it feels like that's what they're saying. And I love that that is true about Jesus. He often does things in the way we don't do things. Mm. And everyone there was watching for the water and they were watching for the way things had been done for 38 years. And I love when Jesus enters a story, he's like, oh, hold on, this is not the way I do things. Let me show you what my way looks like. And there's a really beautiful verse at the very end of this story. It says in verse 15, the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And I just love the thought of that. Like, where is your focus right now? Is it on the water? Is it hearing other people be like, oh, I found healing like this. This is how healing came for me. And, and if you just try this, try it my way, try it this way. This is going to work for you. And I love that at the very end, they say, no, hold on. It was Jesus that made him whole. And partic- That's how it happened. And particularly in this story, because there's a phrase that we use a lot that says, oh, time heals all wounds. And I want to say every time I hear it, I'm like, no, actually, 
Jesus heals yes. all wounds is yeah. what happens. And I love um, when we were in Israel, we were walking down that street with our guide. And as we got closer, we had been telling people all day, we're going to Bethesda, we're going to Bethesda. And we turned that corner and he said to me, okay, next on the list is Bethesda. And I was like, wait, what? Why did you just <laughs> say it like that? Bethesda. And he's like, oh, just the same as like Bethlehem, which we know Bethlehem, Bethlehem means house, Beth means house of bread is what Bethlehem is. So, and I knew that. So I was like, okay, so it's the house of something. What is it the house of? And he said, oh, Hesda means grace. Um, or Hesed means grace. It's the house of grace, the house where grace comes. And I love that that is what grace does is it makes us whole. That's the job of grace. And it's so interesting because the um, pool was called Bethesda, having five porches. And five is that symbol of grace. And the thought that this was the house of grace. This is the house where Jesus showed up in a story after 38 years mm -hmm. and made someone whole. And... Um, I, did, I love the thought of like what that means in each of our stories. We're going to go last now to um, this, a story we are all really familiar with. It's a story found in John chapter 6, and it's the feeding of the 5,000. We called it filled because that's one of our favorite parts of the story is that when they sent that bread around to everyone, they didn't just take one piece, but it tells us, they ate until they were filled with that bread, all of them, until they were filled. And every time I read that, it makes me think, how much do I take of what Jesus has to offer? Is it filling me or what else am I allowing to fill me that will never satisfy right. me. And I just love as we go into this story, our name for this week is bread of life. That's what you'll see on the posters. And the Hebrew word for that talks about not just bread. There are a lot of different Greek. kinds of, or the Greek, they're not just bread because there's a lot of different kinds of bread in scripture. And we'll read clear back in the Old Testament. There's unleavened bread. There's all different types of bread, but the bread that comes with this name is actually a bread that is raised bread, which I just think there's so much symbolism in mm -hmm. that. And um, it, it's, bra it's bread. He'll talk about it in a different story, the leaven that goes in there that actually allows that to raise, and he'll compare it to faith. And I also love the thought of that, just faith working within us. And as you think about bread of life, Life is to enjoy real life that is active and blessed and endless. And it's just such an awesome name for right. him when you think about what it looks like and what it means. And if you want to study this story in great detail, when we taught this four years ago, and we'll link to it in our video or in our newsletter, we'll link to the video because we went through in John 6, the process of asking for a miracle and what that looked like and those steps that are contained within this story. And there's so many that we love, but it's that thought of like, just bring whatever you have and he will bless it and he will make it more and he will fill you. And there's gratitude in the story and there's abundance, so much abundance in the story. And Things that you might want to dive into, and if you do, um, we'll link, because you can go and just spend a lot of time in those verses. But as we think about each of them, that um, walking on water, that man who waited 38 years, this feeding 5,000 people until they were not just satisfied, but filled yeah. Um, you know, as you think about each of those things, it leads to one of our um, other favorite stories that we'll end with, which is a conversation that happens on the banks of this river that you, we've been to the river before, and it's the type of river that you would just take your friends to and sit oh, by. Oh, not this one. This and, is after the bread. 
Oh, you I thought we were going to go to the river. No, you want, we will, you guys, oh, next shoot. lesson, go to the okay. river. We but it's still a good the, conversation. We won't take you to the river. <laughs> I'm so bad wanting to go listen, to the river. The river's coming. Oh, it's still a good okay. conversation that they have. Um, because it's after this miracle of the loaves and fishes where um, the next day everybody comes back and they want they want to make him king, it says. And he says, you just want me to be king? because of the bread that I gave you. And he talks about that manna story. He's like, I gave them bread and they were dissatisfied with it. And they had this whole conversation that kind of leads to this question of, do you want the miracles? Do you want what he gives you? Or do you actually want him? Do you want the benefits? Or do you want the actual relationship? And when Jesus kind of says, this whole thing's about relationship with me, it's not about free bread. A lot of people go away and they're like, well, that's why we kind of wanted you to be king. <laughs> it's because then we wouldn't have to work anymore and our lives yeah. would be better. And we wouldn't have to experience doubt and fear and failure and all those things anymore. That's why that's what we actually wanted. And they go away. And Jesus turns to his disciples. And I, this is such a tender question to me. Like I, every time I read this, I almost feel like the, like just that breaking of his heart when he asks the question mm -hmm. to the disciples, you know, because he yearns so deeply to have relationship with everybody, you know, and when they all go away, he turns to 12 and he says, will you also go away? You know, are you, are you also going to leave me for something else? And Simon Peter answers him in 68 and he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Like, where else are, are we going to go? And then he says this, you have the words of eternal life. You have that active, endless, mm -hmm. like really enjoying life with, in everything. As we work through our doubts together, our successes together, our jumping out of the boat moments together, all of it, mm -hmm. all of it, all of it is eternal life. Just doing life with you fills us in ways that we just can't find anywhere else. So no... There's nowhere else we would want to go. And I remembered when we taught this four years ago, um, and I bet this is on the video from then, Josh had written home a letter. Do you remember this from his mission? And he talked about in there reading this part of this story and then saying, I asked myself that same question. To who else would I go? When you are, have lost your job, to whom will you go? When you get a diagnosis of a test or a procedure that has gone bad and you're waiting, you know, for results, to whom will you go? Um, when you're trying to navigate a relationship, to whom will you go? And he listed out like 10 things. And I remember thinking in each of those questions, my, my go-to should be to him, to yeah. Jesus, to be like, Lord, save me. Yeah. in this situation, like that should be my first and my instant response is that's where I'm going to go. That's where I'm going to turn. It reminds me of um, many years ago when I served on the board of an elementary school and there was a teacher who had brought this paper into the principal and said, give this to Emily. She's going to love it. And the paper was one of those things where you're filling out um, like if, if this happens, where should you, um, what should you do? And it was all like the things. And the one question was, I'll just tell you the one question. This boy had lost his belt. Where should he look? And you could choose under the bed, in the closet, or um, behind the door were your choices. And the boy had written down, um, ask Jesus, he will help you. Oh. That's what he had <laughs> written on the piece of paper. And I love that he read all three of the things and he was like, why would you even take the time to do that? Just ask Jesus. He will help you. It was such a first and like instant response. And I was like, who's that boy's mom that has taught him that when something is not quite right, what should you do or to whom should you go? And I love that it's like, Jesus, yeah. Jesus will help you. You know, it's, that's how you're going to get past this. And um, just that thought in each of these stories, it seems that's where the focus was and that focus of faith moved them to respond or yeah. to act in a way that brought 
fullness and healing and wholeness. Yeah. And, and the way that story ends, that conversation, it's so sweet. In verse 69, he says, because we believe and are sure that you are the Christ. You are that Christ, um, which remembers another name for king. You're mm-hmm. that king, the one we've been waiting for, the son of the living God. And I, I just, I love those words because we believe. That's why we're, that's why we're going to go to you. Yeah. So, so good. All right. Okay, see, you see you next, next week. week. Easter. Oh, yeah, it is. Easter. Yes. Yep. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com, and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.